Tonight, fasten your seatbelt. This market volatility, well, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Let's see. We've got mixed earnings. We've got inflation that's not going away. The Federal Reserve expected to hike interest rates again this week. If you were looking for a calm period in the markets, it is not today. Certainly not now. Allworth Chief Investment Officer Andy Stout, though, does join us on this day every Monday uh, to just give us a little perspective on the markets. Andy, I want to start with mixed earnings because for anyone who truly is checking their 401k and worried about that really all comes down to this. Yeah, when you look at the total earnings picture, Amy, it's actually not too bad. I mean, we're seeing stronger than expected growth uh, compared to the same time last year. Total corporate profits are 8.7% higher. Heading into earnings season, Wall Street was expecting a growth rate of 5.2%. So that's good. Stronger growth. And we're also seeing about 81% of the large cap companies report better than expected profits. So why is it a mixed bag? Well, it's because some of the biggest companies, I'm talking about the tech heavyweights, they have really underwhelmed. I mean, we saw last uh, week with Amazon when they reported a surprise quarterly loss, their first loss since uh, 2015. Uh, What was expected was uh, billions of dollars in gains. And what happened was billions of dollars in losses, $3.8 billion loss on a per share basis, by the way. Uh, they were expecting a gain of $8.40, and it lost $7.56. So that stock, which is a big part of the S&P 500, which is a large cap index, uh, it uh, that stock lost 14%. So when you have one wow. stock that makes up a big part lose that much, it's going to bring the whole thing down. But it wasn't just Amazon, Amy. Also, Google Parent Alphabet, they underwhelmed. They missed both earnings and sales forecasts. Apple, while Apple did beat forecasts, the problem with Apple is their management said supply chain issues could affect future revenue. And Wall Street and stock markets, they don't like when you start putting future profits at risk. But And that all sounds great, and earnings are off a little bit. But, Andy, Friday, I mean, that was almost a 1,000-point drop. And, it, you know, Fridays seem to be bad days lately. Um, we've had a couple of big drops. Why is there so much volatility? Why, why are we seeing, you know, some halfway decent days and then, boom, lose it all in one single day? Well, that's what you tend to see when you're looking at – just choppy markets in general. You're going to see big moves up and big moves down. Uh, the thing is, you never know when the bottom is finally put in. And you don't want to try to time that because what you might inevitably do is miss some of those big moves sure. up. And all of a sudden, you're left there out of the market wondering when to get back in. And mentally, you're thinking, well, I'll wait till it goes back lower before I get back in. Well, guess what happens? Maybe it does go back lower. And then, you're, then you might say, well, I don't feel I don't feel good about this right now. Let's wait till it gets a little bit higher. And you're just out. I mean, it's better just to, to stay in the market in most instances and not try and not market time. So you have these these big swings. And the point to, to answer your question is volatility tends to happen in clusters or in, yeah. in big groups. That's why you're seeing a lot of these big ups move and big down moves. And when you look at just the overall picture and what else is worrying the markets? Well, it's the Federal Reserve. And I'm sure we'll talk about that in a little bit as they look to respond to inflation. Well, I think what a lot of people don't realize is uh, the Standard and Poor's 500. Yeah, it's Procter & Gamble, it's ExxonMobil, it's big established companies like that. But it's pretty tech heavy, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. I mean, technology uh, companies make up almost a, about a quarter of the overall yeah. uh, index. So in these tech companies also, when you look at volatility in general, that's where you do tend to see higher uh, volatility. And you look at valuations, these type of tech companies, uh, they're not as attractive from a valuation standpoint compared to some other areas. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRC. We are joined every Monday by our chief investment officer, Andy Stout, with always great insights into what's affecting your 401k, what's affecting the economy. And speaking of the economy, some not so great news, at least from a headline perspective last week, Andy, when it comes to gross domestic product, which is kind of the overall health, the overall report card of our economy, showed that we were actually maybe moving backwards. Yeah, so GDP, gross domestic product, it measures our nation's total output. If you want to maybe boil that down to more simple terms, you could say it's, you know, how big is our economy, if you want to think yeah. about it that way. Now, when we looked at what the headline number or the total number is, it showed that the U.S. economy shrank by 1.4% on a quarter over quarter basis. So the first quarter of this year compared to the fourth quarter of last year, and then we annualize it. So it shrank by 1.4%. What economists were looking for was a 1% gain. So not only did we miss on a negative side, uh, it was actually a, a pretty sizable margin of a miss. And heading into it, a 1% GDP gain isn't really that great anyway to begin with uh when you think about how the fourth quarter of last year you know we saw gain of i think it was about 6.7 percent so that's a pretty big difference here and part of the reason for the lower expected growth of one percent which didn't materialize obviously was that omicron uh, really constrained spending in the early part of the quarter now why did we drop? Well, I just mentioned spending. Well, consumer spending was actually pretty good. I mean, it, we saw some growth there and it was positive. Where we saw the drag though, that was on uh, exports. Exports took away net exports, which is exports minus imports. Collectively, that took away 3.2%. Uh, so that doesn't really uh, have much of a translation into the underlying health of the economy because uh, there was a few other areas that took away from growth government spending was down that took away half a percentage point also inventories meaning businesses weren't buying inventories uh compared to where they were so they had already kind of built that up in uh in advance of any possible supply chain disruptions from COVID. so that took away 0.8 percentage points so when you look at what the market did that day that it actually came out uh, when GDP was released, stocks actually had a really, really good day because economists looked past these one-off events that aren't really a true measure of the underlying health and looked at some other indicators. Now, an alternative measure to uh, just our normal GDP, I call this core GDP, which is personal spending plus uh, business spending, essentially, plus exports, what we send out to other countries. So this is a better measure, in my opinion, of overall demand, if you will. And that came out in at a pretty decent clip of 2.4 percent. Hmm. Well, that's a big that's a big difference. But, yeah, you know, so many analysts are calling for a recession. You're not one of them. You, you've been saying at least, you know, this year it looks pretty good and, and very slim chance of a recession. Yet yet we have a you know negative number on first quarter. How's second quarter look? Well, when we look at just what the definition of a recession is, a lot of people use a rule of thumb of two 
consecutive right. uh, negative GDP quarters. That's not technically the definition. Uh, but regardless, uh, when we look at GDP and we look at where it might come in at in this uh, second quarter, early estimates are for a 3% positive uh, growth rate. Now, a lot of you now some of that's going to be a give back of the, the negative parts that we saw in the prior okay. quarter, like uh, inventories should bounce back because they tend to have a, a negative relationship with their prior reading. So if, if you saw a big move down, you might see a big move up next time. Conversely, a big move up might be followed by a big move down. So there tends to be that type of relationship. So we expect maybe a bounce back there. Also, government spending looks like it should bounce back too, uh, just based on how uh, everything <laughs> just, is Just playing out. the odds. <laughs> government well, knows I mean, how to spend. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> They don't want to, yeah. They don't want to push us into the the rule of thumb definition of a recession. But early estimates, at least on government spending growth, is a, a, a increase of one point six percent. So we're looking at actually growth kind of across the board in a lot of the different areas. And you know that's just where we're looking in the second quarter. Even looking the remainder of the year, recession risk is still low. I mean, we'll have a recession eventually. It's normal. Sure. It will happen. Uh, but the leading economic indicators, which are data points that move before the broad economy, they're not yet signaling a broad slowdown. Andy, you mentioned earlier the Federal Reserve, our nation's central bank, right, hiking interest rates this week. We're expecting a half point hike. I've heard even a three quarter, right, seventy five basis point hike uh, up next. We haven't seen that since nineteen ninety four. Is there any concern from you that the Fed is being too aggressive? I mean, there's always a chance the Fed could uh, hike us into a recession. They've done it before. Yeah. And if they feel that's the only way to stop inflation from spiraling out of control, then they might go down that path. But I would say if you look at the inflation data, you know, there's a good chance that we will see lower year-over-year numbers going forward. So the uh, 8.5% CPI, that might have been peak inflation. Now, remember, the Fed wants inflation to be much, much lower. So even if inflation does come down, it's still going to be elevated and still higher than what the Federal Reserve is comfortable with. At and we 2%, look at, right? We're way above 2%. Yeah, not even close to it. Now, when we think about the Fed rate hikes, 50, uh, half a percent, also 50 basis points. Uh, that's probably going to happen here on Wednesday. Then to your point, the next uh, question is what happens in June? On June 15th, there's about a 50% chance or a coin flips chance that you see three quarters of a percent rate hike. The other 50%, by the way, is for a half a percentage point. So looking like it could be an, an aggressive Fed here. And I think a lot really will depend on how inflation evolves over the next few months. Uh, now, May is probably pretty much done. So, but when we're listening to uh, Federal Chair Jerome Powell talk at his post-meeting press conference, I think he's going to come off as hawkish, which means he's going to be saying things that are really designed to show that they're serious about fighting inflation. You know, what's interesting, Andy, too, is uh, you would expect the markets to have a strong reaction if he does take a super hawkish tone. However, I don't know that you can give any reason to the markets because sometimes I think, oh, the markets are going to respond really poorly to this and they seem to shrug it off. Yeah, I think it kind of depends if they believe the Federal Reserve is going to be able to somehow engineer a soft landing or thread that proverbial needle to where they can stop inflation, but yet still keep the economy growing. That's essentially what's probably priced into the market to a degree, because we're not seeing too many leading economic indicators point to a slowdown. If we saw a bigger swath of indicators suggesting that there was a recessionary environment ahead, you know, certainly the 
the uh, ability for the Fed to get that soft landing. Time in the market beats timing the market. Straight ahead at 643. Is it safe to retire when the market is so volatile? We'll take a closer look. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Spravak. Can't listen to Simply Money every night? Subscribe to our weekly podcast. It's the best of Simply Money on the iHeart app or wherever you find your podcasts. Trade ahead at 643. If you think you are on the right track to retirement, we're going to break down what you should be doing and we hope you're doing if you're in your 40s, 50s, 60s. Okay, so if you listen to the show, you know that there's one thing about me that I'm a huge fan of, a health savings account at HSA, huge proponent of these. Triple tax advantage. See if I just think there's nothing like it. It's a gift yeah. from the government. They don't give us many gifts. And now we've got some even better news along these lines. The IRS is going to allow you to put more into an HSA next year if you are eligible to have one. Yeah, the the IRS doesn't always do many things to help us out, yes. but this is this is one where they're they're allowing us to save more and 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 you are using an HSA perfectly. I I, I mean an HSA I don't think was designed I Yeah, I don't think it was designed to be an, an additional retirement savings no. account, but it can be used that way. First of all, the good news, you can save up to if you're an individual $3,850. That's up $200 from $3,650 in your HSA in 2023. Um, with a family plan, it's going to be up to $7,750, for, uh, up from $7,300. So basically, you can put a lot more money away. And, and I, what I mean, uh, Amy, by the way, you're using it the best way you can. You're paying every out-of-pocket expense, not with your HSA money, with your HSA savings, but you're paying that out-of-pocket and allowing the HSA to grow. Yes, my HSA money is invested. So rather than it being like a, a checking account, it is invested in investment accounts, right? So it's gaining, it's growing, it's compounding. Tax-free. Uh, yeah, yeah, tax-free, right? And if I take it out for qualified expenses, I won't ever pay taxes on that money. Yeah. Like, there's no other way to do anything like this. So love the HSA. And again, it is if it makes sense for you and your family, right? If you have chronic health conditions, if someone's expecting a big surgery uh, that year, probably you don't want a high-deductible health care plan. I mean, my family right. knows, hey, listen, if something happens unexpectedly, we have extra emergency savings set aside for that reason because for several years now we've been using it and it has been working well for us and I love the fact that you can put aside a little more money right I mean right. several hundred dollars um, but hey we see these we see the IRS kind of changing these uh, thresholds every year maybe on IRAs HSAs 401ks so this is this is a move in the right direction I think but but you really tell your kids just suck it up and put a band-aid on it don't you you know it's so funny <laughs> I, I, we really it does change your mindset and I have I have a good friend yeah. whose family and they have four kids and they have an HSA as well Ooh. and the mom was telling the story the dad actually had this rare health situation. It was a genetic thing. It came from out of nowhere. And she said, he came to me and he said, I, I feel like I can't breathe. And I think I need to go to the hospital. And she said, I knew he was serious because we have an HSA. Yeah, yeah. And usually he's yeah. like, you know, if you cut an artery, that's the only way that we go. So it does change the way that you think about medical procedures, right? You don't want to use them if you don't have to. Uh, so I just caution anyone, right? Think through all these things in determining whether this makes sense for you and your family. When it comes for you, to, when it comes time for you to retire, right? And the market is crazy, bonkers, like it is right now. What do you do? 
Do you hold off? Do you jump right in? I, Steve, I said when the pandemic started, if I had been, if I had determined that I was going to retire in the spring of 2020, I don't know if I would have needed Dramamine, anxiety medicine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I probably would have needed something, though. Well, and, and that's a natural reaction. I, I, I mean, really what we're talking about is, are, are you, do you feel comfortable about how your finances will be and that you can afford to retire when you're seeing volatility? And, and you know, I think that depends on how much preparation you did going into your retirement decision, because I, I'm not sure you ever feel 100% comfortable retiring, but I know, I know one person in particular who retired in August of ninth or of uh, 2008 literally right oh. before the big drop yeah. you talk about anxiety markets Absolutely. are melting down his his 401k that was a very big number was a much smaller number and, and you know everything worked out for him and, and i think the reason he he wasn't standing on the ledge the whole time is because he went into it prepared he went into it with financial plans being updated every year, and you know, if you're especially if you're dealing with a halfway competent uh, financial planner, they're going to do something called Monte Carlo analysis. They're going to put your plan through a 2008 scenario and, and see what happens to it. They're going to stress test it, and if, if it works in the Monte Carlo analysis and the stress testing environment, when you actually do go through that. It, you're you're not feeling as anxious as if nobody did any work for you. You've seen these numbers before, right? You've looked at yeah, worst case yeah. scenario. You've processed worst case scenario before, yeah. uh, and I think that's a huge thing. And and I think maybe if you are so like cannot sleep at night because of all the market fluctuations, maybe it's because your investment mix isn't the right one for you. Maybe you have taken on too much risk, yeah. right? But that's that's a tightrope scenario as well because you don't want to take on too much risk, but at the same time, you also don't want to be too cautious, especially right now when we have, yes, market volatility, but also really high inflation, right? Yeah. That's going broke safely. So I do understand anyone's anxiety right now because it's kind of just this sort of general recipe for, uh, you know, a crazy start to retirement. And I think about Ed Fink, right? One of Simply Money's founders uh, and what he did when he got close to retirement, right? He retired right before the pandemic. And the reason why he was able to sleep at night was because he kept enough money on the sidelines so that when mm -hmm. the market was down, he didn't have to cash out. So he wasn't taking a loss. The loss was only on paper. Yeah, but here's here's the thing. I, I think if you're trying to wait until there aren't any concerns in, in the world and, and there aren't any concerns <laughs> yes. in financial markets, you're going to work the rest of your life. Well, it's you like know, what they so, say about the baby, right? Like, it's like, when do we start having a baby? And everyone's yeah. like, you know, if you wait until you're making X amount of money, or you just get to this point in your career, you're never going to get there. I think you're absolutely right. The same applies to retirement. Yeah, ju ju just acknowledge that that's the way it is. It's always been that way. It's always going to be that way. There's always going to be something scary, always something to be concerned about. And that's why that emergency fund is is so important. It's, it's you know, before you retire, an emergency fund is, is really, you know, the hot water heater went, maintenance on the car you weren't expecting. But in retirement, that kind of becomes your slush fund. Because if markets go down, you can start drawing to pay the bills and go on that trip from your emergency fund that's in the bank and not draw from the investments that are down. And guess what you do when investments recover? Because they always recover, Amy. You replenish the emergency fund when the investments have gone back up. 
Here's the Simply Money point. A diversified portfolio now gives you a much better chance of retiring on your time frame, right, regardless of what's going on in the in the economy. And this is actually going to be one of a number of topics we're going to get to at our retirement risk workshops that are happening on May 19th and 21st. So if this is something that you are stressed out about, you're going to want to check it out. It's a free one-hour in-person workshop. All the details are at allworthfinancial.com for you. There are three big scams that are targeting people just like you and your neighbors and your family right now. We're going to detail what they are and how you can actually check for scams. That's next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. How good are you at keeping your guard up? Because I'm telling you, scammers are trying to hit you from every single angle, every step you take, which is why we have the CEO of the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau on every month. Josiel Ehrlich joins us with just a warning, right, about the kinds of scams that your neighbors have been falling for lately so that you can protect yourself and not fall for them too. A puppy scam? Come on. Yes. You know, today I thought that I would look at our BBB scam tracker files and see what our friends and neighbors, people in our area might have been victimized by or at least tempted to be victimized by. And the puppy scams was number one here. You know, if you're looking to get a puppy, be aware that there are a lot of scammers in this space and you need to be so very cautious. One of our friends and neighbors reported being a victim to this scam. And in this case, they asked for an upfront payment for the dog through a money transfer app, you know, your Zells, your Venmos, what have you. That is usually a big red flag that this whole transaction might not be on the up and up. You know, Scammers just so there's so many accept. people are buying pets online these days. We got a pandemic puppy, right? And it was from somewhere mm-hmm. up in Columbus, and we saw the pictures online, and we'd never done it before. So I could easily think of someone saying, you know, we need some money up front, half the money up front, all the money up front, not necessarily thinking twice. But yeah, you're right. That's a major red flag. It, it is a huge red flag. And people don't, this is a new type of trend, a way of buying a dog, so to speak. Yeah. You've really got to do your homework and make sure that the seller is legitimate, that they haven't stolen that puppy picture from a legitimate vendor, posted it on their site. Um, scammers, as I said, are generally looking for Venmo and, and Zelle type payments. They're not accepting credit cards because, you know, you can dispute those charges and you're yeah. likely going to get your money back. Scammers don't want you to get your money back. That's not what this is all about. And they want your money up front because you're never going to get that dog to pay after the fact. Now, in this particular person's case, to add insult to injury, they tried to get an additional $1,000 to cover oh puppy insurance to assure the puppy is going to be delivered to you. They promised that they would give 95% of this money back to the gentleman once the puppy was delivered. Um, But he was starting to get wise to this um, Mm -hmm. when he balked about paying for this insurance. Then they threatened to hold the puppy in quarantine and he would be charged a fine of thousands of dollars for abandoning this dog. Well, at this point, the man got wise and realized that this was a scam, and he stopped communicating with people. But so let's people... talk about this, Josiel, because I think you're right. This is new, but it's it's a lot of people are jumping on board, buying animals, buying dogs, buying pets online. So how do you how do you protect yourself? Well, again, check out the seller. Go to bbb.org. Get a report on the seller. Check Google 
pull up reviews from uh, Google on that. Mm-hmm. There's, you've got to do your homework. Do not go into this just trusting. You know, and it's really hard to do because you or your children see this cute little puppy and they fall in love immediately. Absolutely. Um, it's really hard to put on your suspicious hat. And at BBB, you know, we're trained to be suspicious of everything for better or worse. <laughs> Yeah. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55KRZ. Joe Zeal Ehrlich from the Cincinnati Better Business Bureau joining us tonight with a warning about the scams that your friends and neighbors are falling for. One of them, a work from home scam. Joe Zeal, I've been working from home since this pandemic started. What are the details on this one? Yeah. Big buzzword, work from home, remote work. You see that in an ad. If you're looking for a job, people are going to click on that really, really quickly. And scammers know that. So they're putting that type of information in their little uh, blurbs as they try to attract you into their web. Um, In this particular case, there was also an interesting twist to it. And while it's not surprising to do a virtual interview, it's not usually done over WhatsApp. That's, mm-hmm. That was a new twist for me. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's not such a common way to interview people. So what happened to this person is he applied for a job because they said it's work from home, remote work, was interviewed on WhatsApp, of course was hired immediately, no background check, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the company was going to put money in his bank account so that he could buy an Apple computer from them to do his job. Is that not strange? Okay. They wanted his bank account number so they could reimburse him (laughs) through direct deposit for the money that he was spending on this computer. That didn't raise a red flag. It did raise a red flag when they asked him for his bank login and password. Okay. They don't need that to make direct deposit. Uh, When he refused to give him that login, well, they had an alternate way of doing this. He could buy an Apple gift card to pay for this computer that he had to buy from them. Ah. And once he bought that computer, they were going to reimburse him what he paid for the gift card into his PayPal account. Now, (laughs) he's still waiting to get his money back, and he's still waiting on his computer. Oh, boy. And I imagine these work-from-home scams are out there in so many shapes and forms. You see, there's also a phone scam going on right now. Right. Uh, We had uh, one of our uh, local people call and – report on scam tracker that they got a call from an attorney from someplace called the senior disaster agency hmm. never heard of that one nope this guy claimed that he had a check for the victim for almost half a million dollars and he was one of only 250 people throughout the country who were chosen to get this government check the last i checked the government didn't choose who to give people money to no um He was told that the call, this I loved, the call was being recorded by the Senior Disaster Agency, the FBI, and the Better Business Bureau. (laughs) I found that very interesting. All he had to do was pay 1% of the taxes on this half million dollars, and the rest of the taxes were going to be paid by this Senior Disaster Center. I thought that was very generous of them to pay all that tax money. Isn't it now? Uh isn't it now? <laughs> uh, when he told him he couldn't pay even 1%, and that 1% of that half a million is quite a bit of money. Yeah. He said all he could afford was $200. And they said, oh, that's fine. <laughs> Just go out and buy something called a one vanilla gift card that was new to me. Yeah, me For too. this $200. And someone would come by the next day, 
pick up the gift card and leave the package. Well, they picked up the gift card and didn't leave a package. So... Go figure. You know, Justiel, as you're talking about these scams, and, and I love that you come on to warn us about these every month, you keep referring to the Better Business Bureau scam tracker. Uh, and I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit more about what that is and, and how we can use it. This BBB scam tracker is a searchable online heat map of all the scams or attempted scams that have been reported to BBB going back to 2015, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I pulled up the scam for the la- or the map for the last year, and there were almost 43,000 scams reported. Wow! Now it's also, as I said, it's searchable. You can search by keyword. You can search by puppy. You can search by charity. Uh, there is a scam type uh, data field where we list all of the various classes of scams. You can search by that. Um, it will tell you exactly when the scam happened, what it involved, where it was located, if there was any money lost that the uh, victim reported, and you can read what the scam is from the victim's own words. It's very, very helpful, and you can scroll down as granular as your particular neighborhood. Right now, I'm looking at the map, and for whatever reason, the Michigan, Ohio, Kentucky area is a hotbed, the largest hotbed of scams in the country. Oh, gosh. Of reported scams. Let me clarify that, of reported scams. What a great tool. Hone in on Cincinnati proper. You can hone in on Hyde Park and see what your neighbors are reporting is happening to them. Listen, we are hit up almost every day, right? Something just doesn't sound right, doesn't feel right. This is a great tool. I have been on the BBB Scam Tracker many times before. It is super easy to access, super easy to use. If something doesn't sound right, just get in there. Start clicking around, start searching for things. Make sure that if you're, if it's something that you think that you're going to give money to or take part in, that you have done your research first. This is a great tool. It is free and easy to use. The BBB Scam Tracker. Josiel Ehrlich from the Better Business Bureau here in Cincinnati. Thank you as always, for these warnings and this great information. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Strovac. I don't know about you, but I love a good all-inclusive resort. Give me some kind of a drink with some kind of (laughs) an umbrella in it on the beach, and don't bother me Everything else is secondary, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Well, I haven't been, though, to an all-inclusive resort since the pandemic happened, and apparently they have changed... In some significant ways, we're going to tell you how they've changed. That's coming up. Some things that you need to consider before booking. If you are on the road to retirement, and Steve, I would say that basically from the time you graduate from college on, (laughs) we are all on the road. From the first day you start the job, you are starting on the road to retirement. Most of us are counting down to how many more years am I going to be doing this in some way, shape, or form? Regardless of where you are on that road, though, I think there are different steps, different considerations that you need to be taking into account. 
Well, there, there, there are. And, you know, twenties um, and thirties, you're just scrambling. You're just trying to get your career going, yes. make some money, start your family. But, you know, when, when you hit your forties and I, I hit that recently, well, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe a couple of years ago, but you know, that, that's, that's where you start getting, you know, the halfway decent, hopefully the halfway decent pay raises and it's job your prime changes. Years. Exactly. And, and you know what, that, that's where once you start getting your head above water, that if you can just, keep your head about you and say, you know what, I'm going to take that raise and I'm going to start putting that into a 529 plan or I'm I'm going to start uh, adding a little bit more into my 401k. That's your chance to start saving serious money so you can retire hopefully at an earlier age than, than, than maybe you even thought. Because if you just keep going and, hey, I got this much coming in, it goes out, I don't know where it goes, um, you're going to fall behind the eight ball really, really quick. Here's the goal. I think if you are in your 40s and you can be saving 15 to 20 percent, I realize that's on the high side and many of you may be nowhere close to that. But, hey, at least gives you a benchmark to aim for. And maybe every year you increase that by a percentage or two. The problem, I think, for so many people in your 40s is something called lifestyle creep, right? You're earning more than you ever have before. You get on social media or you go to your kids' soccer games and the neighbors are going to fill-in-the-blank fancy vacation, or they bought such and such a new car, and you're starting to think, well, gosh, I'm making more now. I should do that. I should have that. I should go there, right? Yeah, yeah. And and what you don't know is how much credit card debt that person has, right? What their credit score is, how much they have saved for me. So it's really easy to compare yourself to other people and start to spend more. And we would say this is where you have to really kind of buckle down and start to prioritize saving for retirement. And I get it. I'm in my 40s and it is so easy to say, oh, the kids are so expensive, right? Trey's on that travel basketball team this year. Uh, You know, this is an expense. I'm going to wait a couple more years. Grace's tuition, whatever it is. There's never going to be a good time to start saving. You just got to make it a priority. Oh, tr- trust me, you you run out of time. I, yes. I mean, you you really do. And <clears throat> it goes it goes pretty darn quick. And in my case, we we started having kids in our mid twenties. So college was when we were in our forties. You know, just just as I'm starting to make halfway decent money, it's like, oh, that's right, Stephen goes away this year. How much is that check going to cost me? Yes, okay. a lot. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Yeah. So it, it is really hard to budget. And don't forget estate planning because if you've got kids, make sure you get that will yes. and powers of attorney done. You probably put it off in your 30s, but by the time you, you hit your 40s, get your documents in line and, and have them prepared. You're listening to Simply Money tonight here on 55 KRC. As we look at the road to retirement, right, no matter how old you are, where you are in this road, there are definitely things that you need to make sure that you're doing. And if you are on maybe your beginning of your 50s, somewhere in your 50s, this is where retirement starts looking like this is not so far away now. Maybe you can even start to picture it, what it looks like. What yeah. you're, are you going to travel? Are you going to spend time with maybe grandkids, right? And I think part of that has to be uh, if you aren't comfortable in planning for this on your own, this is where I would say you got to prioritize working with someone, right? Find a financial advisor, figure out if you are truly on the right path. Yeah, I I also hit my 50s relatively recently. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, this is where you got to get serious because if you haven't set aside enough money, you've got some catch-up provisions. You're allowed to put more once you hit 50 into your 401k and your IRA. But I I also want to add this is when you have to get serious about what's your plan to be out of debt by the time you retire. Yes. Get that mortgage paid off, get credit cards under control, and not have debt by the time you're, you're targeting retirement age.
Yeah. And what, you know, I've seen so many times is, okay, finally the empty nest, right? And so now it's yeah. like, some people think like, well, we should focus on us now. And it's time to do that Europe trip. And it's time to do this or that thing that we always put off because now the kids, well, yeah, you can do that a little bit, but I have seen yeah. people totally just blow it out of the water. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, now we're five years away from retirement and we are way behind the eight ball. Yeah. And then you hit 60, which I also did recently. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're like Benjamin Top Button. Flies. You're like, you're aging backwards somehow. Uh, no, mentally, maybe. All these maybe. things just a couple of years ago. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in all seriousness, once you hit 60, it's no longer a concept. Retirement is real. And that's where you say, oh, okay, I, can I get this done in the next three years, four years, five years, whatever that number happens to be? Get out of debt. That is number one, period, okay? Build up your retirement assets. Get them to the point that you need them to be able to retire. Get that emergency fund uh, uh, funded. I, I mean, these are the things. There's such a difference between conceptually retiring and, and the hardcore reality of, hey, this is going to happen. Where's the money coming yeah. from? Late 50s, early 60s, set up your MySSA.gov uh, yep. account, right? That's your Social Security account because then you can really start looking concretely at what your expected uh, Social Security benefit can be, right? This helps you kind of have a better concrete picture of yeah. what retirement will look like, what that income will look like. Yeah, and, and not a bad idea to get a financial plan drawn up. But, you know, if you're procrastinating or you're a do-it-yourselfer, I, I mean, you can at least get a basic understanding of how you're going to pay for stuff. Take your Social Security. If you're married, your spouse's Social Security uh, benefit, maybe 4% of what you've saved up in retirement accounts. What's that add up to? And, and will that pay your bills after taxes? That'll give you a rough idea. If you're not there, you got to scramble and, and do something to save more so that you can afford to retire when you want to. Here's a Simply Money point. Having a financial plan for each stage of your life can keep you going well on the road to retirement. An all-inclusive resort, right? Is there one maybe coming up this summer for you? Some changes have occurred since the pandemic. We'll talk about those next. You're listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station. You're listening to Simply Money. I'm Amy Wagner along with Steve Sprovac. Ah, vacation. I am ready to I'm ready. get... I know. I am ready to get out there. I feel like we've just had this kind is of never-ending winter, like spring, like, you know, all of a sudden yeah. we're getting closer to summer. We really haven't, haven't had many summer-like temperatures. So if you're thinking about, right, summer vacation, what to do, the all-inclusive resort is still a thing, a big thing, but it has changed a lot since the pandemic. Now think about this. I mean, during the pandemic, it didn't sound great. All those people packed in around a swimming pool, a swim Petri dish comes to yes, mind. Exactly. Yeah. So I think a lot of all-inclusive resorts took that time to step back and say, hey, how do we want to change things here for when people do start to come back? So for those of you who are going back to an all-inclusive resort this year, let's talk about what they can expect. Yeah. And it's not like the 80s, like that song was that, you know, <laughs> where, where it's just, you know, a bunch of singles and, you know, lots of alcohol and all. You got the big players, Marriott, Hyatt, they're moving into into all-inclusive and yeah. and what they're trying to do is just make five-star experiences for you know older people also and and this is handy because if you can go on vacation and not worry about you know should i tip should i not tip and how much is that drink and everything else i i think they're right on the money they're they're capturing a trend 
a lot more people, as they come out of the pandemic, want to go out, they want to enjoy themselves and not worry about the details. And they want to be spoiled. One of the changes yep. that you'll see, luxury suites, private beaches. Some of these places have built water parks, even added butler service. And I think, you know, when you think all-inclusive, you think all the food, right? All the drinks. And I, I've been to places where you just get up in the breakfast buffet, like... Uh, there's so many choices. It's mind boggling. Yeah, yeah. What many of these resorts have done is cut back on the quantity of the food and upgraded the quality. Well, that's a good thing because yes. looking at most Americans on vacation, I don't <laughs> think we need more quantity. That is true. So if you're trying to figure out, right, if all-inclusive appeals to you, right, if you're someone who likes to, you know, go to a bunch of different places, probably not for you. But if you are someone who just likes to kick back on the beach with an umbrella drink in your hands could be a great thing for you. And maybe the food's going to be even better. You've been listening to Simply Money here on 55KRC, the talk station.